what is God's purpose for the church? Meaning, as a reminder, again, and these will be on the screen, we're looking at, we don't want to have a vision statement that incorporates what we desire about church. I guess we could come up with a vision statement of our church's vision statement is to be a church planting church that is portable. I don't know. I mean, you, we could come up with all kind of stuff. That's not our goal. We don't want to be a pew up church visionary. We want to be a thrown down. What does God say about the church? And then we want that to be our vision statement. And so what we've been doing is unpacking Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4 about what is God's vision for the church? What is God's purpose for the church? And it's, it's important for three reasons. Um, one, because we want to be obedient. And so being obedient demands we know what we're trying to obey, right? And so we want to obey what is God's purpose for the church. Number two, mission. We want to be about God's mission. And so being about God's purpose will necessarily put us on the track for God's mission. And then number three, it's just practical. A lot of times people ask, what do I need to do as a Christian? Well, what you need to do as a Christian is what God wants you to do. And that meaning his purpose, it's, it's not that complex. And so what we've done is we've had this little circle. It should pop up on the next screen. And we've just been tracking through Ephesians 4 what a well-rounded church looks like. All of these components are not components we came up with. It's all in Ephesians 4. And so we're looking at what does a celebratory church look like, that evangelistic component. And he gave apostles and prophets and evangelists and teachers and shepherds for the work of ministry, the equipping of the saints for the building of the body of Christ. And so the work of the evangelist sometimes is incredibly wide and very shallow. And what we said is, that's okay. <laughs> There's room for that in God's church, in God's economy, to be very wide and very shallow sometimes. But it doesn't stop there. If church is a mile wide and an inch deep, it's not a well-rounded church. And so we're looking, okay, what are the other components? And so the other component is that there's an academic part of the church that we're called to be, or else we wouldn't have teachers, um, and so God gave teachers to equip the saints. And so what does this depth look like? And so last week we unpacked, not only is the church to be a mile wide and an inch deep, but also a mile deep and sometimes very laser focused and an inch wide. There is an academic scholarly component. And so my whole point last week was, if you have that gift, you have a place in God's kingdom. Oh, I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not out there, I can't meet people, I can't whatever, but I love to get in the corner of my room and study a book for 17 hours. There's room for you in God's purposes. And so we looked at that. And then this week what we're looking at is the third component, I would say, of the wheel, and that's to be a church that serves. Um, so as we continue to think through Ephesians 4 and the works of all of the different people, serving is a part of that. Um, which we'll see in just a second, there is a diligent component of the church that's moving and active. And so I guess what I'm saying is, we often ask the question, what does it look like to be used greatly by the Lord? I'd love to be used greatly by the Lord. And when we think about you being used greatly by the Lord, names that come to my mind may be something like John Piper, John MacArthur, R.C. Sproul, Billy Graham. I mean, all these big names. I'm like, boy, they're really used greatly of the Lord. And that's kind of our notion sometimes is to be used greatly by the Lord, your name has to be in lights or on a book cover at least. And your perspective may be different. Maybe you're like 
Well, Benjamin Watson, the grand NFL player who is using and leveraging his skill set to proclaim the gospel, or a Tim Tebow, or whatever. Whatever your list is, sometimes we have this notion of that's great in God's economy. Well, let me give you the story of another person. This person is found in Acts 27. Don't turn there. It's just illustration. I mean, it's the Bible. Um, There's this guy named Paul. He's on a ship. The ship's headed somewhere. He stands up. He talks about what they need to do or what they don't need to do. He divvies out food. He he instructs them, hey, we're going to run aground. There's all kind of things that he does in this grand moment. It's just like the scene in Titanic. Never seen the movie, but I've seen the pictures. To where Leonardo DiCaprio... No? Yes! Okay. Boom! Is standing there, and then the other, the lady is, you know, they're standing there. It's this Paul's grand moment where he's on the front of the bow of the ship, and we go, see, that's what great looks like. And then we forget the next chapter. Right after this moment happens, they have a shipwreck, and by the Spirit of God, this is penned in Scripture. The next scene says that Paul was walking around picking up sticks so that they could have a fire. Sometimes being used greatly by the Lord looks more like picking up sticks than Leonardo DiCaprio. And so I want to look at that. Real fast, I want to examine what does it look like to be used as a church who is serving? So again, as a well-rounded church, what does it mean that we're a serving church? And my point is this. My main idea would be something along the lines of, to the extent to which we're used greatly by God depends sometimes on our willingness to bend over and bend our knees and just pick up sticks wherever we're at. So Ephesians 4 one more time, actually, we're going to do it two more times, um, but Ephesians 4, would you stand in honor of God's Word? And I guess I should probably flip there in Scripture. That might be helpful. General Electric Power Company. Does anybody else do that with Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians? Okay. Um, Ephesians 4, 1 through 16, we'll skip verses 8 through 10 as we've explained, there's a reason for that. So don't walk away going, they skipped the verse of Scripture. There's a reason for that. For our purposes today, let's look at this. Ephesians 4.1, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Again, we're trying as a church go, we want to walk worthy to our purpose that you've given us with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, There's one body, there's one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's over all and through all and in all. But grace, here we go. This is the aspect we hadn't hit on. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. You have a role in God's well-rounded kingdom. Verse 11 says, And he gave apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ, which I would argue is the purpose and vision statement of not only our church, but every church under God's kingdom. That's the church's purpose, to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building of the body of Christ. Until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. 
so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, here we go, we're to grow up, we're to be well-rounded, we're to be mature, we're to grow up in every way into him who's the head, into Christ. And here's the other component we're going to hit on again today, verse 16, from whom the whole body... Joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped. You're a joint. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The Word of God for the people of God. Be seated. So here's what I want to do real fast. I want to look at, again, what does a well-rounded church look like? We celebrate, we're evangelistic, we're academic, we're scholarly, we study the text. And then there's this component of we serve well and we labor well in service. So here's what I would say, number one, the who. Who is equipped to serve? And the verse that I want to parse through real fast is in 1 Peter. Peter says it this way, as each has received a gift. So there we go. Here's the who of service in God's church. You ready for it? You, you, as each has received a gift. And a lot of times we think of serving in God's kingdom something like Navy SEAL Team 6. Like there's this elite group of people who are to be used greatly by the Lord. This, this special people, right? Um, if it's Marvel movies, it's Hydra or S.H.I.E.L.D. Or it, there's like a special carved out group of people who've been trained specifically, who have specific gift sets, who whatever. And Peter says it this way, no, 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 that's a bunch of garbage. Each of you, <laughs> you want to know who's used as each has received a gift. And so here's what I would say. There is a Navy SEAL Team 6 in God's church. You want to know who it consists of? You. You're picked. You're on the team. If you're a believer, you've received a gift that's usable in God's kingdom. As each has received a gift, you have a tool that you can help bring joy and faith to other people. You. You. And so that's my question of who. Who's equipped to serve? Let's go to the second one. Well, then, if I'm equipped to serve then what is biblical service? And I'm going to look at this at a different angle today. So it goes on to say this, Peter says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. This is the purpose of church. As God's steward, as good stewards of God's varied grace. I want to describe this for you in a way that maybe you've never seen. I, I've never seen it before, and, and as I was studying through, John Piper really kind of helped me wrap my brain around this in a way I've never seen it before. You're called to do something in God's economy, in the church, serve in such a way that we're well-rounded. And how do you do that? Well, what you do is that you're a distributor of God's grace. I would liken it to something like this. We, we play a game at my house from time to time. You've played it. Um, this game lasts a long time. If you get engaged in this game, it could go multiple days on end. Um, it can bring out the worst of claws in certain people. It, this game is, is, is not super strategic, but can be strategic. 
Um, it's been known to fly literally from the floor in my living room across into the kitchen. This is one of those type games, and it is called Monopoly, right? This is, right? So there are times when my kids are playing Monopoly that I'm like, we have a demon in our house. I mean, this is what is going on. Right, so, so here's what happens in Monopoly. At the beginning of the game, you're handed out a certain amount of currency, your distributed currency, and then your goal the rest of the game is to use that currency in such a way that your property grows, right? And I think this is exactly what P Peter's saying is, listen, when you come to know Christ, when substitution occurs, when his righteousness his bank account is taken and placed in your bank account. When you receive the grace and fullness, he's distributed that, and now your job as a believer is to walk around and redistribute that grace. People say it this way, our job is to know him and what? Make him what? Make him known. So the way that you use your gift is to be a distributor of God's grace, his hope, his mercy. And, and so here's the thing. I love this passage because a lot of times we think of biblical service in terms of spiritual gifts. How many of y'all have taken a spiritual gifts test? Inventory. Raise your hand loud and proud, you Southern Baptists. I, I, <laughs> raise your... right. I'm sure, okay, Presbyterian. Wait, anyway, uh, <laughs> So here's the, a lot of times we go and we take this spiritual gift inventory. Now here's the problem with the spiritual gifts inventory, and I'm not saying it's not valuable. I'm just saying that usually what happens is they take Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 12, create a list and say, here are God's spiritual gifts, take the test and find out which one you've got. And what that does is belittle what God can do through gifts that I would argue are spiritual that don't fit in that list. Here's what I'm saying. We've taken that spiritual list in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12, and we've said, this is all the gifts, there are no more. And which creates a hard tension for some of us sometimes. We're like, I don't fit in that list. And so here's what I think is going on. And I love the way that Peter says it. Peter says, listen, Forget the whole list thing. You can fit in that list for sure, but there are other ways in which you can be a distributor of God's grace. And when you use sometimes your natural gifting and your natural abilities to distribute God's grace, that natural gifting and ability becomes ding, 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 a spiritual gift. Because it's you being used for God's glory. Here's the way I would... And a great example of that. Um, we have a team... Uh, we, have the, we, have, we have the world's greatest softball team ever in the history of the world here at Safe Haven Church. It, at least last season it was anyway. Um, and, and so this team, I've watched this team over the past several years grow. And it's grown not with people in the church, and I would actually say people in the church have kind of disseminated out of the team, and I've watched that softball team turn into a ministry. And man, I'll start crying, so I'll just look up here at this, this, this thing up there. And I've watched God use that softball team to bring people in, find out about gospel community, find out about the love of Christ, and not only have they been changed, but their entire family has been changed through softball. 
you know what's not on the list in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12? Softball. But is that not a spiritual gift that's been used for God's glory to distribute grace? Absolutely it is. Who's called to be used? You are. How are you called to be used? However you can distribute God's grace. It's a lot like when I told Julie Beth to go to the grocery store. <laughs> that sounded horrible. <laughs> Let me rewind that quick like. Okay. It's like when Julie Beth graciously goes to the grocery store to get us some food. And in loving kindness says to me, Troy, would you like me to pick up some items? <laughs> I'm in so much trouble. Okay. Um, and so, I, and she says, is there anything you would like? And I, I'm like, oh yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of things I would like. Pretty much anything with a little Debbie on it, get it. Um, Dr. Pepper, what, I'd love some cookies, I'd love, and I just kind of throw out a list. I'm not telling her these are the things you have to get. I'm just giving her an idea, and I think that's what Paul does with spiritual gifts. He says, you have a gift. Here are several of them. This, 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 administration, tongues, speaking, healing, uh, prophecy, um, uh, gosh almighty, here we go, my brain's going blank, hospitality. Um, he gives all this litany, teaching, da-da-da, and he's throwing it out there to kind of bring you in to start thinking, not, I've got to knock one of these out of the park, but there's something I can do. I think that's how it works. That's why I love the way that Peter says it. So all that to say, and I need to keep going. Peter says there's two broad strokes here. <laughs> I love the way that Peter does it. You're to do something. What is biblical service? Be steward of God's grace. Whoever speaks and whoever serves. <laughs> he says, whatever you do speaking or whatever you're doing in deed, do for the glory of the Lord. And that's your spiritual act of service. And I believe many miss out on spiritual gifts in an attempt to find a label for their spiritual gift. So, spiritual gifts aren't limited by activities spelled out in the New Testament, but any ability that the Spirit gives you to express your faith, to build up others, is a spiritual gift. Hopefully that frees some of you. Who, all of us, what, distribute God's currency of grace, why should we serve? As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as, God's good, as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Here we go. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Why do we exercise spiritual gifts? Not for our glory, but for God's glory. And that the name of Christ is exalted. That's it. Any other reason is heretical, selfish, and gospelless. We serve to just boast in Jesus. So I hang out in hair parlors <laughs> on random days just to talk about Jesus. We, we hang out in, in the cul-de-sac to just, just hang out and love one another. In God's, we, we, we go skiing together. Just to, we eat together. We play ball together. We, what are, we, just, we exist for God's glory, not our own. And so with that said, three reasons we'll, real quick why we serve. Number one, because serving is an act of worship. We serve our Lord, not of a ritual, because it's an act of worship. Um, let's belittle, and let's, let's, let's go ahead and strike the notion that worship only occurs on Sunday mornings right here in this thing. That is silly and childish. 
I love listening to Andrew more than anything else, and Britt, and Elisa, and whoever else sings. <laughs> I love that. But if all we understand about worship is what happens right here on Sunday mornings, we've missed it. We've missed it. There's so much more. So we serve as an act of worship. Number two, serving is an act of evangelism. When we're using our gifts and abilities to disseminate God's currency, that in and of itself is evangelism. I hope I'm freeing again some of you because some of you grew up going, I, don't, I, I can't be an evangelist because I haven't memorized evangelism explosion or faith or, e, you know, whatever. The, I haven't memorized the little book, so I'm not an evangelist. No, that's just garbage, man. Be freed from that. God will use you in your cubicle or your cul-de-sac or your kitchen table. So serving is an act of evangelism. And then number three, serving images our Savior as we wrap it up. We look like Christ to the extent that we give our lives away. Let me say that again. We look like Christ to the extent that we're willing to give our lives away. Which is exactly what Matthew 20 says. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to do what? To serve. And to give his life away for many. So with that said, what I'm trying to get you to see as the band comes on back up. Is your short time on earth has stupendous eternal implications when used for Christ's glory. Our job is not to be deemed great because a thousand people come to know the Lord through you. Our job is to humble ourselves and to share the love of Christ with not a thousand, but just the next person we come in contact with. And in God's economy, that's great. So the how... I'm just going, this is just, again, hopefully you understand what I'm doing here now that I've talked about Paul. The list really is endless as we're thinking about a well-rounded church. The list is endless. This, don't do what we do to Paul here and go, oh, I don't fit in any of those categories. That's not the point. There's a million ways. You can distribute grace to our children. You can distribute grace to our youth. You can distribute grace through music. You can distribute grace through events. You can distribute grace through community groups. You can distribute grace through shepherding. You can distribute grace through social media. You can distribute grace through an unknown ministry that we don't have. I love it when people come up to me and go, hey, here's something we should do at Safe Haven because it's an opportunity to go, great, go do it. <laughs> You do it. God put it in your heart. We can distribute grace through hospitality. We can distribute grace through connecting with others. We can distribute grace through, yes, manual labor. If you look at that list up there and go, hey, I don't fit in any of those, I can assure you on Saturday morning at 8 o'clock, you will fit in the spiritual gifts list of setting this room up. It takes 30 minutes. I'm too tired be a man and get up men um, be a woman get, there's, there's something you can do you can do something 
for God's kingdom. So, I want to end it with this. And I'm going to, I'm just, I'm just going to take the bullet. That's fine. <clears throat> We're the master of excuses to why we can't serve, aren't we? We're the master of justifications. Here's some things that I hear constantly. Well, I don't like the way that the women do this, or I don't like the way the men do this, so I'm not going. Well, I don't have time. Well, I'm not a people person, so I don't people. If people are involved, I don't want a part of it. Well, my gosh, go sit in a the hole then. I, like I don't know what <laughs> doesn't involve people. Well, I would do it another way. Here's what I say to that. Good. Do it the other way. Just do it and shut your pie hole. Well, I wish we would do fine. Our eye wishes are nauseating, selfish, and arrogant. God calls us to serve. And giving our lives away looks like a lot of times the way we wouldn't do it. I would argue it always looks like the way we wouldn't do it. So with that said, I'm just trying to get you to see you have a niche role in God's kingdom. The question is, is it beneath you to reach down and pick up that stick that he's calling you to pick up? Do it. Let's do something for God's glory in an attempt to be a well-rounded, purposeful church. So, um, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to get out of the way before you kill me. So, uh, let me pray real quick. Lord Jesus, thank you for your text. Thank you for how we've just been able to, to take a... I don't, know, a, I don't know, it probably sounds bad, Lord, to think and say, take a break from Scripture. That's, God, you know my heart. Um, to just kind of revisit, what is your purpose for the church? And so going forward from 2019 on, Lord, we want to be about your purposes. And so create in us a desire to celebrate and to be evangelistic. Birth in us a desire to be scholarly and academic and to think well, to handle accurately your word of truth. And then, Lord, grow us in the area of service. Show us all ways in which we can give our lives away for kingdom purposes. So, God, grow your church. And at Safe Haven, we obviously pray. We are not asking you to grow Little C Safe Haven Church. But we are asking you to let Little C be a part of watching you grow the Big C Kingdom Church. Christ, by your glory, would you use us as individuals to boast in your name and to be a part of the ministry of reconciliation to Northport and beyond. For your glory, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen, church. Amen.